think this is kind of ableist idea that if you're disabled, this is kind of infantilizing idea that you don't want to go out and get drunk or that you don't want to have sex or something like that. So places which are more adult, quote unquote, they often kind of aren't accessible. At least that's been in my experience. For me, it's I think it's more of a psychological barrier for mm-hmm. going out regularly. It's like, not only is it because of my worry that I won't be accepted, that there'll be issues, I won't be able to access the place, but also because my autism, being in close, cramped spaces yeah. is an issue for me. And what would be better if they had like a, like a some sort of like quiet room. Hello and welcome to the Disability Download, brought to you by pan-disability charity Lena Cheshire. I'm Erin O'Reilly and on this podcast we respond to current topics, share stories and open up conversations about disability. Hi everyone, thanks so much for tuning in to our final podcast episode for 2022. We've had a brilliant year full of interesting guests talking about everything from disabled voices in the media, inclusive fashion, disability and gender identities and so much more. So thanks so much for joining in on the conversation with us. To end the year, on this episode, we're talking all about accessible nights out and accessible queer spaces. You know, when planning nights out, you know, like work Christmas parties, for example, too often accessibility just isn't taken into account and it can leave people feeling really isolated. This month, my colleague Joshua Reeves chats to Arthur and Charlie, who talk about their own experiences accessing nightclubs and queer spaces. Arthur's based in Edinburgh and Charlie's based in Manchester. So it's really interesting hearing experiences from different cities and it seems a lot still needs to change. Joshua, Arthur's and Charlie's views are all their own. Before we begin, I just want to mention that some of the discussion may be quite triggering, including discussions around queerphobia. So let's hear from them. Hello, my name is Joshua Reeves. I'm campaign support officer for Leonard Cheshire and welcome to the Disability Download. Today, I've got Arthur, if you'd like to tell a bit about yourself. Yes, yeah, so um, my name is Arthur, and I'm a volunteer for Leonard Cheshire. I also do journalism, and I'm a content creator. Okay, and Charlie, we have Charlie here as well. Yeah, hello, so uh, I'm Charlie. I'm currently doing a gap year from university, and um, I'm working alongside doing some youth work volunteering and I'm a trans man, and I also have autism and POTS syndrome. So that's how this kind of topic is relevant to me. Okay, great. And the reason of this disability download episode is to talk about nightlife and your experience accessing nightlife and going out and as well queer spaces so can you can you give me some example can we just open it up to some examples of good accessible nightlife um, and queer spaces so i'm not sure if you mean nightlife and queer spaces a bit of both like have you have you got have you got both experiences with it in that uh, yeah, um, so I don't really have many experiences with queer nightlife for various reasons. Um, Manchester is, uh, there have been a couple of transphobic things that have happened in Manchester over the past couple of months, couple of years, especially around the gay village. I know lots of trans people who love the gay village and have had good experiences there. So last Pride, the transgender memorial in Manchester was actually burned to the ground. And for that reason, I don't really feel safe going there as a trans person. And also I do have like some questions about the accessibility of it. So Mike, so I do have experience with queer spaces that are trans friendly and are accessible. 
Um, and I can talk a bit about those. And I also have like general nightlife experiences that aren't related to queerness. Well, I guess sort of are kind of related because I, I am queer, but aren't specifically queer spaces, if that makes sense. Okay. So, so what is the positives that then? So in Manchester, we have a, a space called the Proud Trust Centre, and it's it is sort of now a kind of community center. Um, it was built in the 80s to be a sort of gay man's community center. Then it was kind of expanded and expanded. A couple of years ago, it was knocked down and rebuilt to be a lot bigger and a lot better. And one of the things that people building the space really, really wanted was for it to be as accessible as possible. So and, and so I spoke to the architect, Emily Crampton, and she said that she kind of wanted to keep in mind that um, accessibility doesn't just mean wheelchair accessible. There's a lot of other things that go into it. So they took into account, you know, obviously people with wheelchairs accessing it. It is fully wheelchair accessible. And they also wanted to make sure that stuff like um, lighting could be controlled so that people with kind of photosensitivity wouldn't be put off and would be able to come and join in. Because that was a problem that some of the other venues, the, the kind of groups, and specifically the centre is mainly used for um, by queer support groups. And people who attended those groups, they did have issues with some of the venues with like the lights being too bright, there being too much noise. And so those were all things that kind of were factored into building and constructing the centre, which I think is really, really good. And I've had a lot of really good experiences with that. And there's a lot of disabled people that come to the centre. So it is kind of really nice to sort of have that kind of space and to see that actually it can be done. That's good. What about you, Arthur? Have you had any positive life uh, light at night life experiences? So I'm quite similar to Charlie in that I know of nightlife in Edinburgh, but the problem for, that I have is that there's a LGBT area. It's called the the pink the pink triangle. Um, there's, there's like two areas in Edinburgh. There's the pubic triangle and there's the pink triangle. And the problem is that venues as such aren't, it might be, you know, friendly towards the trans community, which I'm part of, I'm non-binary, but it might not be wheelchair accessible being Edinburgh because Mm. it's old buildings, which I weren't able to access, which is a problem, it's a mental block for me as well. So thinking that, well, they're not bothering to, advertise that they're fully accessible so why should I go which obviously I've had experience in the past where I've gone to you know venues like that and it's not I can't access it uh, but in terms of queer spaces I um, I think it was it I don't think I think it might be you Charlie that introduced me to the non-binary Edinburgh was oh yeah it was because I sent you a list of like yeah some- yeah. Yes. Yeah, so they did do in-person meetings. So it's a space for you know the trans non-binary community to meet in a safe space. But since COVID, they moved that virtually. So what mm. they, they have like a Discord safe space, and then twice once once every two weeks we have a virtual call. But mm. now that restrictions have ended, we're talking about moving more more meetups. So. That sorts of experiences that I've got. And when you mention that it's in person, I guess, is that building or place where you meet up is accessible? Yes. So we are obviously want every member to be included. So 
it's not like a standard venue. It would be moving from venue to venue to venue. Like okay. It's just for us to meet meet up and have a in-person meeting as opposed to like a, a virtual one. So they'll make sure that it, it is accessible for me. Okay. There's quite a few people with physical disabilities in the non-binary trans Edinburgh group. Uh, that's good. That's good. So what I can understand what you mentioned about accessibility um, is is that some some places are not accessible, but then mm. it makes you out of place of your community of the community that you're a part of. Because for me, I'm I'm a metalhead. I love to go to a gig or to to a rock club and there is a little bit of non-accessibility there but then I'm I'm proud to be part of that community but then mm-hmm. so it, so I think that sometimes when you're part of a community you want things to go smoothly um and because you feel like that that is me and I want to and I want to join everyone and I feel like with in terms of equality having non-binary and like queer spaces is that they bring in equality but they're not thinking about the whole of equality um and the and the uh disability um and and they think about gender and and queer spaces but they're not thinking about disability as such as being equal as well Absolutely, and I read recently. I think it was in uh, one like on, a, on a Facebook group. Somebody was booked to a wheelchair user was booked to do. Um, it was like LGBT, but also it was equality. Mm, yes. Yeah. The venue that was booked wasn't wheelchair accessible. So oh, we're no. talking about different people of different races, equality for people, you know, of different religions or different genders, but are. LGBT, but they weren't thinking about disability, mm. so they couldn't they couldn't go to this conference. Things like that when they when you mentioned about equality and about making these spaces, they don't think about the community as a whole, which I think is a big problem. So we don't think that people with disability, like physical disabilities, who use wheelchairs, that they could possibly want to access these spaces, and. Um, they don't make an effort to advertise the fact that they are accessible. With these places that are non-accessible, what are the main challenges for you? Have you been, have you turned up to an accessible nightlife venue or queer space and then been denied access because of your disability? I've, I do research before I go to avoid that from happening. So I check if that venue has at wheelchair access and nine times out of ten it doesn't it's either like upstairs or downstairs in a basement or something like that it's, it's because they don't use the more modern buildings in edinburgh what, what is the excuse is it is it do they usually say it's a council listed building we can't change it you that's why it tends to happen with me it's, it's very frustrating and to have something done in the basement i'm, I'm just and you're thinking that if you're going to have an equality evening where people are allowed to be who they are, then yeah. they should allow 
access, no matter the disability or the reasonable requirement is? Well, I would say people who are doing it right, though, would be LGBT youth Edinburgh. So they're in an old building. So their meetings are in a, one of the LGBT youth meetings in an old buildings, like a church in the Leith mm. area. But they've made sure that they've got access for everybody. That's really good. That's good. And even though it's like a, like a very old church that it's in, they've still made sure that anybody can access it. Yeah. I mean, I'm so sad that Brittany couldn't make it because we once had a really interesting conversation about this because she was doing another project about the accessibility of some queer nightlife venues in Manchester. And one of the things she was saying is that for some of these venues, especially sort of some in the, in the gay village, they were kind of designed to be difficult to access because they were sort of built or, and sort of used by queer people in a time where the climate was very queerphobic, times when it was you know, illegal. So for instance, some of venue having, for instance, a flight of stairs, that meant that if there was a police raid, people who were in drag would run upstairs and they would all change as quickly as possible so they wouldn't be, you know, arrested and that kind of... Diff- that, and venues having a police that was difficult to access was, for a lot of people, really, really important. And she was kind of saying that, sort of going and talking to people about, hey, I know that you needed this, but things are different now and you're excluding people. Having those conversations with people was sometimes quite difficult. Because even though things are different now and they are excluding people, they still have that kind of built-in gut reaction that, no, what if something happens and we don't have anywhere that we can kind of go to escape to. But again, like, it's one of those things where where things should still be accessible because it is still more important, I think, for people to be able to go there who otherwise wouldn't be able to, you know. And a bit more about kind of my personal experiences. Um, So for me, because I have parts, that means that I can't stand up for long periods of time without having a lot of discomfort and without sometimes kind of, and I haven't passed out in many years because I've like restricted things that would cause me to get to that stage. And for me, what often happens, um, especially one of the reasons why I kind of try to avoid sort of nightlife stuff is because you have to stand up quite a lot and they don't always, they don't always have seating and you have to sort of do a lot of walking and stuff like that. And for me, it's sort of, it depends. Sometimes I can do that, sometimes I can't. And for me, what kind of makes me feel safe going out in public is when I um, bring my fold-up chair with me. Because I have a cane seat that sort of is, it's sort of like a, a, a sort of cane with a, with a chair on it. And it's, it's very easy to carry around. I can just bring it with me wherever. And for me, it's like a really important thing because it means that I can go to things that I otherwise wouldn't be able to go to because I would be like really uncomfortable the whole time and I wouldn't feel safe or comfortable. And um, what I've had happen to me in quite a few, in some queer spaces and also just kind of like in general is that people will sort of approach me about it and they'll sort of like demand to know why I have that and they'll sort of question me about it because they see that I'm like a bit different because I have this thing that they that no one else has. And I've kind of spoken to people I know who are keen users who are also queer and I've asked, well, have you had this happen to you as well? And they say, yep. And so it's kind of a thing as well, sort of culturally, where um, even if a venue isn't, even if I can physically access a venue, there's still a sort of culture there of exclusion. You mentioned that there's a lot of people that look at you um, and say, why are you using that? And uh, mm-hmm. and that I feel like that, but that's 
I think, do you reckon that there's an issue around that as a whole then in terms of we obviously go into a, a safe place about about into a community that um, yeah. treats you no different but then still treats you different because of your disability? Does that make you feel um, upset and realize and tries to and what can you think that society could do to make that better feel yeah I mean what you're saying about kind of like is it more painful when it sort of is in a sort of space that's supposed to be safe it definitely is and the other thing as well is that um because you know Manchester's a, it's, it's a fairly it's I mean it's, it's, it's a big city but it's not so big that the queer community isn't made of people that you probably are going to know for quite a while because of how the kind of nature of insulated communities like that. So it's, it feels very different to when people just approach you on the street and you don't know them and you're never going to see them again in your life. So for that reason, it is kind of a bit painful and it is a bit more overrising. And so what I think could make it better, um, hmm, I kind of feel like if people could be more educated, that would be really appreciated. And if people would kind of just sort of leave us alone, that would obviously be really nice. Um, I think specific things that venues could do is if I feel well firstly I feel like venues should when I'm, I'm not sure kind of sure how to put it but I feel like people should already have like kind of conversation going in a space where you know this is something that we're doing to be accessible or you know this is, oh you know we, we've moved we've removed this we've removed these flashing lights because they cause these things having that kind of be stated explicitly so people are kind of aware that actually there are disabled people coming in and um some venues that I've been into, they have things on the wall that say stuff like, we don't tolerate like homophobia, et cetera here. But they very rarely say we don't tolerate ableism. Yeah. And, and I think sorry, sorry, and I think that's the that's the hobbit is that like you mentioned, that it was stuff has changed over the years and now that it's not against the law. To, to to be in a queer relationship but I feel like um, I feel like it's a lot better now but then I'm but then I'm worried about that people um, if people wanted to fight for rights that way why yeah. are they still discriminating against disabled people do I, you know I, what I mean yeah like for yeah. me for me I think like disability is the forgotten equality group yeah. So, for, uh, for example, yeah. well, for me, for, for me, sorry, Charlie, a good example yeah. was that at the, the Oscars, I don't know when it was, it was about maybe it was about five years, five or six years ago, when they didn't have a single uh, black actor um, nominated for an award. And then the, the director of the Oscars apologised and they apologised to the LGBT community, they apologised to women. He apologised to um, people who are black. What he did apologise to was disabled people. That's why I keep saying disability is, is a forgotten equality group. I mean, I'm not sure if I agree with that, because I feel like unless you're affected by racism, you can't understand the full yeah. kind of depth of that experience. And you, because you're not kind of affected by it, you only see the times that it's brought up. You don't only see the times that it's acknowledged. You don't see... The millions of times that it isn't talked about, Absol- yeah, the abs- that yeah. it isn't brought up. So I, I don't, I don't really feel like it's. I mean, well, like I do think that disability does have some kind of like ableism yeah. in a lot of ways. 
and there are kind of many things that we have to go through that other people don't but there's also things that I don't have to go through that other people do so I don't really feel like it's my place to kind of look at anything else and say well I have it harder than you you know and, and I know that's yeah. not what you're saying you're trying to kind of say well there's a, bit, there's a bit of a double standard in this situation and I agree with you there is a double standard in that situation but I don't really think that that's kind of holistically the yeah. people of it's color like, are disabled people on yeah. the whole no, what my point was saying was that director apologised to every equality group apart from people with disabilities, which is that yeah. was that was the main point. Yeah, I mean, and 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 I agree that that's wrong. So, well, how often do you do you guys go out in the night? Do you like do you like it's like once a month, once a week, and what is it? Did you like again quite nervous going out? Yeah, um, from Charlie. First. Oh yeah, I mean, so um, so recently I have been going out a bit more because I, I and I've sort of been going to like a couple of bars in Manchester. Um, not not any ones that like specifically for a kind of minority, which and and a lot of the places that I go to are not wheelchair accessible, and that is really really bad. It is something that I want to bring up to it. Like the bar that I often go to is, oh, I mean, I, I say I often go to. I've been there I think twice. Um, and it's and it's pretty if it's pretty affordable and the stuff they sell is quite good. But there are like there's a downstairs that you really can't get to if you're in a wheelchair or if you can't take the stairs for a different reason. There's the, the entrance isn't accessible either. And yeah, that is quite a problem. And I feel like that's kind of the case with most kind of bars. Um I think that one thing that kind of disabled people often kind of end up against is that um there are kind of like government mandated things that say that some places should be accessible. So sometimes, for instance, like shops or cafes are accessible. But I think this is kind of ableist idea that if you're disabled, this is kind of infantilizing idea that you don't want to go out and get drunk or that you don't want to have sex or something like that. So places which are more adult, quote unquote, they often kind of aren't accessible. At least that's been in my experience or my, or my observation. But obviously I'm not a wheelchair user, so maybe it is a bit different. And, well, that's just kind of been my observation kind of going out recently and I haven't been to the gay village so I don't know how accessible it is but people that I know who are wheelchair users who have been say that say that they've had issues with access and that they've kind of dealt with kind of some some unwanted attention so what about you yeah. Arthur yeah so I'm pretty similar in that for me it's I think it's more of a psychological barrier for mm-hmm. going out regularly it's like not only is it because of my worry that I won't be accepted that will be issues that will be able to access the place but also because my autism being in close cramped spaces yeah. is an issue for me and what would be better if they had some sort of like quiet room that I could access to escape from then like to get us not escape, but more like get like a break from being in such a high intense area, which would be nice. But I have to be able to access the venue first, and that's an issue that's prevented me from going out as much as I'd like to. Yeah, definitely. The um, that's something that I've definitely had happen to me, where um, like. I can deal with loud noises for a certain amount of time, 
but it's very, very stressful for me. And sometimes I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle it. Um, I have had meltdowns in the past. It's a horrible, humiliating experience. I sincerely hope I never have to have one in public again, but probably not realistic. And I'm, I'm quite fortunate in that um, a lot of my friends are also autistic. So if we kind of walk in somewhere, then it's kind of impersonally understood that, okay, we're going to try and find the quietest spot that we can. And we're not going to sort of stay in a place with long, for a long time. If, there's a, if, if we can sit outside, we'll sit outside, which, I, which is really, really good. But a lot of people don't really have that. And also it's sort of like that's something that is on us to do. It's not like here yeah. is a kind of mandated quiet space where you can go. Or, you know, it's not like venues don't, they don't do things like, you know, quiet nights where there's no loud music playing. Because I know that um, some, I, I have heard, I've never seen it happen in real life, but I have heard that um, like some like supermarkets and like shops, they sometimes do kind of like low sensory days where they turn off like their music that they have playing in the background. Yeah. And, but like, but like nightlife venues, they, they, they don't do that. Um, and if you would try to say, well, why don't you do this? You would say, oh, it's so unprofitable because, you know, everybody kind of comes to listen to music. But the thing is, though, I kind of feel like, um, I feel like if you were to do, if you, if you were like the only bar in the city that does like an accessible night where there's no loud music playing, every single disabled person would go. So you wouldn't see like a loss yeah. in money, wouldn't see a loss in finance. At least, at least that's what I think personally. Yeah, they're excluding a whole community mm-hmm. by not making things accessible. Yeah, they're excluding customers to tie a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's why when I go out, I don't tend to see a lot of disabled people, and mm. especially people that's on the that is more learning than physical because they don't feel like it's a safe environment for them. With me, I, I think that uh, as a wheelchair user, I, I I think I struggle to get access back to my house, but I'm I'm lucky that I live near the centre of town. What is the ca- what is the taxis like for you being a wheelchair user, Arthur? Um in Edinburgh. Yeah. To get to get back home and to go to get to the nightlife experiences. Uh, so I've not in terms I've had experience of trying to get a taxi at night, not in terms of nightlife as such. I was coming back home from I think it was I think it was like a whiz kids event possibly, or it was kind of what it was. It was late at night and taxi just saw that I was a wheelchair user and just kept driving away. They wouldn't stop for me. So I had had to actually physically hide behind a barrier so they couldn't see me until they stopped. And then I I showed myself, basically. A bit impractical. But um, I have had issues, like at the festival, for example, this year, taxi driver refused to take me says we're not allowed to take your your kind of wheelchair i'm thinking it's a power wheelchair you're allowed to he kept calling it a scooter say it's not a scooter it's a power wheelchair so i had to report this this person and partly was spoke you had he was disciplined but that which is which is good in a way but also needs to be educated you know this is not a you know this is not a scooter it's a powered wheelchair and you can't just refuse access but also 
Another recent experience trying to get tattoos in general was I was at a shopping mall just near my house and eight taxis refused to take me. They all waved this, I'm exempt from taking a wheelchair user card because of their quote-unquote bad back. Well, these eight people, did they have accessible taxis then? All of them did, yeah. They're all accessible. So, so why are they... Why are they driving taxis if they are ableists? I, I just don't yeah. get that. They I just, do, I just don't yeah. get it. They're allowed to apply to the council if they've got a medical condition that can exempt them from taking a wheelchair. Yeah, but that's that's not fair. If they're going to drive an accessible vehicle, yeah. why why you drive an accessible vehicle if you're going to refuse people that need the access? I to know, get into exactly. that taxi. Exactly. If if they were going to say, oh, I'm exempt because i got a bad back, then they may as well just drive a standard taxi rather than an accessible one. Because that's just, that's just taking the mick, that is. And, and it's just annoying to see that, that yeah. happen. And it's, and it's things like that which is also preventing me from going doing, doing, doing it at night because... Of this knowledge, how am I going to get back home? Because am I going to get have to wait two hours to try and get a taxi? Like that's yeah. no fun at late at night, you know? Yeah, especially because when you're physically disabled, you're much more likely to get harassed. Yeah. So it's a safety issue. Exactly. Charlie, you said that you you bring your chair now and again to like yeah. to like a light light life and stuff. Is there any problems of people saying oh you can't bring in that chair why are you bringing in a chair I, I just know what people are like is there any is there any issues around that because i could just see people just being really picky about it so i haven't brought one out yet because the bars that i go to i was told they would have seating and i haven't been doing anything that would like require me to I mean, I've I've been I've been playing it very 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 safe because specifically because I don't want to bring my chair because I know that that's gonna be exactly what happens. So I mean, like it is something that I do want to bring with me though because I don't feel like comfortable and safe in public because I'm very scared of having a flare up and of having like, heart palpitations and of being having to sit down when there's no seat and that's like my worst fear. So it is something that I do want to like become more comfortable with bringing um, and kind of bring it to these spaces, but. That also means having to like mentally prepare myself to deal with kind of bounces at the door saying, Oi, what's that? And sort of like saying, isn't it, it like you could use that as a weapon, so we can't, we're not going to let you in, or some some bullshit thing like mm-hmm. that. I have to sort of prepare that. And um, yeah, that is especially because I can't, I can't like fold it up and hide it. It is very clearly a chair. Yeah, I mean, and, and the other thing as well is that I'm kind of, because people that I know who are disabled and who are kind of physically disabled, Whenever, whenever you say I need this because I'm disabled, people often sort of look at me and they sort of they don't they don't believe me because they have a kind of very narrow opinion of what a disabled person looks like. So that is kind of something that is stopping me from kind of going out more, and it's also specifically stopping me from going out in ways that would be most comfortable for me because like mm. I'm 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 kind of preemptively worried about that kind of harassment. I think that people see non-visible impairments and, and they just they just ignore it because they just see disability as what they see 
through their eyes. They don't. They don't. They don't understand that it's all. All disability is is different in payments and and that they just see what they see on this old logo, which is a someone in the wheelchair, and that's pretty annoying. Like they haven't changed the toilets for years, where it's just the standard wheelchairs on the toilet. So then that makes people just think about that's the only disability out there. With <laughs> toilets, as a matter of fact, um, Arthur, being a wheelchair user, do you, do you struggle with toilets in nightlife? Because one of my examples is that they've used um, a pub that I went to in Cardiff used their disabled accessible toilet as a barrel store so they all keep all the beer barrels in the toilet and it's very small and I can't even shut the door behind me is there anything like that that's happened to you in Edinburgh? Well the bars that I've visited don't tend to have an accessible toilet which is not very good like the more the older buildings the newer ones there have been accessible toilets but for me, a standard disabled toilet isn't that accessible to me as such because it's so cramped and I can't get in. I need more space, which is why I prefer going to changing places when I can find them. And how many but, of the, I know that you've got way more in Edinburgh than we do in Wales, but is it, I guess for you that is very frustrating. Do you need, I guess you need the hoist then and stuff, do you? Uh, yeah, it's, it's more, um, for me, it's uh, usually changing places tiles have clozomats, or a lot of them do, so I need the clozomat, but also okay. I do need the use of a changing bench at, at times as well, which is why it's impractical having a smaller space, and because I have help from a support worker, it's if it's if the, if the bathroom toilet is, is quite cramped, it's hard to get help from them to have my chair at a space where they can help me transfer. Also, the language as well, I would say for accessible toilets, because uh, I hate the word disabled toilet. A good example of how one vent place can have be good in some areas and bad in others. I was at, and this is no word of a lie, I was at, uh, at actually at a hospital, and this is, bearing in mind this was the same corridor. There was a, there's a, there's a, Accessible toilet said, accessible toilet, not every disability is visible. And I thought, fantastic. And then halfway down the corridor, there was a toilet that said, toilet for the disabled. Oh, Same area. Oh, I was like, whoa. I was like, how can you be good in one area and like so bad in another? It's just shocking. Um, and we're in what? 2022 now and yeah still there's buildings that is not accessible for nightlife and and to go out at night and have a social life yeah what i was going to say was when we're talking about like say like quiet spaces for we mentioned earlier but yeah quiet spaces for people with autism i know this isn't nightlife and this is a completely different country but SeaWorld parks, they're very good for that. So they, all their like their water parks, Discovery Cove, and also their theme parks, they have a quiet space for people with autism to go to. So if people have venues like Nightlife could learn from them and see how they're doing it right, then things would be a lot better. 
Yeah, maybe we should chuck everyone to go to Florida. Uh, the government needs to give them the money. Um, maybe I'll work for yeah. someone that nightlife then. But yeah, it's just it's just basic trading. Um, people yeah. need, and I think that they just can't be bothered for it. Um, that that's the trouble. Um, is there is there anything else that you would like to add before I wrap things up? I'm not sure if I have anything to add. Um, I guess that things won't change unless you force them to. So if you're disabled, yeah. you have to be a very angry and evil disabled. Hmm. Yeah, we need to have we need to have some sort of loud voice that can get things yeah. done. But also venues themselves have to, if they are accessible, promote the fact that they are, mm. and they also have to help people get over like help people through mental health get over that barrier because some people like like for example my my mental health is preventing me from even finding out if these places are accessible so they should be doing more to, to combat that and promote the fact that they are accessible if they are accessible and what they're doing to help and uh, make their venue welcoming and accessible there's a lot i i know that we could discuss more widely on this issue as well um but i'm afraid that we are running out of time for this disability download do you want any pl- plugins any shout outs before we go if i can then um i'm a, as i mentioned at the start i'm a content creator um i upload vlogs on youtube my channel is arthur's rolling vlog and my personal link is just simple one to remember youtube.com slash arthur's rolling vlog Awesome, I'll check that out. What about you, Charlie? Um, I don't think I have anything to plug. I mean, if you're in Manchester and you're a student, uh, University of Manchester has a disabled society and our events are for all people. So if you want to like look look us up, then you can sort of try and see if you can come to some of our things. So that'll be nice. That's cool. If I ever get to Manchester one day, I'll give you a shout, Charlie. Um, I want to go to Horicon one day, so yeah, that's in Manchester. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next time on the Disability Download. Bye. 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 It was so great to hear from Joshua, Charlie and Arthur about their different experiences, although disappointing to hear that accessibility is still such a challenge. Thanks so much to the three of them for joining us on the podcast and sharing their views. We would love to know what you thought about the episode. Are there any venues that you think are nailing it when it comes to accessibility and inclusion? What have your own experiences been? Let us know by getting in touch on Twitter or Instagram at Leonard Cheshire or by emailing us at disabilitydownload at leonardcheshire.org. And if there's a guest in mind that you really want to hear from, tag them on social, tag us and let us know. And as always, please do remember to like, share and subscribe to the podcast. Before we go, I just want to give a quick shout out to our editor, Sally Raper, who edits the podcast for us. Thanks, Sally. And thanks so much for listening, everyone. Until next time, I'm Erin, and this has been the Disability Download.